welcome to another installment of Beige Journalism. It's your boy Rel, aka the Black Ernie Anastas. Um, I think uh, my New Yorkers know, know who that is. Um, I'm here with another episode of Beige Journalism, uh, episode five, where we bring common sense to current events. And um, we're going to start the first topic. Um, pretty important topic, uh, kind of hits close to home being from New York. Um, it's the 9-11 uh, First Responders Compensation Fund. So pretty much uh, it's been in the news lately because uh, the fund is is expiring um, pretty soon. And um, a lot of people might have seen the video with uh, John Stewart. Um, very emotional video. Um, pretty much he was speaking up, speaking on the behalf of first responders that were there in 9-11, firefighters, um, policemen or just just people that volunteered in general on like the cleaning up of of 9-11 uh um, of the buildings and um and and pretty much these people were getting sick um so they started a fund up um the 9-11 first responders compensation fund um pretty much like right after 9-11 and um it, it they gave like seven billion dollars, um, and it was only active for like the first for for two years at that time. And obviously, we know that sickness uh, just doesn't happen in two years. Um, these people were there for weeks and months, maybe even I mean, some people were there for years cleaning cleaning up and helping out in the area. So it's like they were exposed to these gases and exposed to all these toxins that came from this building, and they didn't feel the effects obviously within the first two years so later on after years and years after they've been fighting for for more um for more funds um so in like 2010 congress uh Obama, congress and obama reopened the fund and put in about 2.7 billion um obviously that wasn't enough for people especially at that time because a lot of these first responders were starting to get real serious uh illnesses there were people getting cancer and various other diseases and um it all stemmed back from that because things take time you know even though this was at that point of 2010 which is nine years later that's how long it might take to for for something like cancer or something to build up in your body and um these people were looking to get compensated um years and years down because they needed the money and, and health insurance and and all that more than they needed it right after uh, 9-11 and um the problem w with the whole thing was at first there were people in congress that that were against it more so of the amount they thought that uh, they were putting in too much money into the fund and at first 160 members of the congress almost all republicans opposed it and then they negotiated uh, amount of money which they thought was suitable and then that's when they reopened the bill back up uh, 2015 and even since then the money that they put back in still hasn't been enough because there's still been there's hundreds and hundreds of first responders and there's and there's more of them getting sick pretty much all the time so it's like one of those things where there shouldn't be an expiration date i mean things like cancer and all that that could affect you years and years decades later so put in an end date to funding for people that need health care and overall assistance it makes no sense to me because that's like saying 
you think that cancer or respiratory problems are just going to end on December 31st of 2019. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. There shouldn't be an end date to something like this because these injuries or these diseases and all that stuff, these are ongoing. These You have to deal with this your entire life. So you should be able to, to get the funding for your entire life, especially since you sacrificed your life um, for the greater good of, of others. And that's pretty much why uh, John Stewart was so pissed. I mean, this this should be a no-brainer. These people deserve to get the money. You should just give them the money and let's move on. It shouldn't even be a big thing. It shouldn't even be on the news. Just pass the shit and let's keep it going. And Mitch McConnell said that Stewart was being all bent out of shape, quote-unquote. And I'm like, is that being bent out of shape? Could you want to see people actually living? Not to mention that. Stewart has a personal connection with these first responders. He's pretty much been representing them for for decades now. Um, he did a special on this show, I think it was 2010, and he had four uh, first responders from 9-11, and they talked about the same issues that, that we're talking about right now. And um, he had another segment recently, and there was only one of the four responders there. The other ones are very sick, or and one of them died. And it was just a testament of what they're talking about, like how, how this is happening over time. And these people are getting sick and feeling these effects and why the funding should never stop and be continuous. I mean, this should be one of those things that should just be an easy solution. It shouldn't even be a, a big deal. Like, just give them the money, the money that they deserve, and let's, let's keep it moving. But uh, speaking of keeping moving and speaking of, of, of other uh, fucked up things going on, um, let's go to the next topic. And that is the whole battle with immigration in this country. Right now, thousands of migrants are being detained regularly. Just in Texas alone, there are over 15,800 migrants that are being detained there. And... The situations that they're in are, are pretty terrible. A lot of it is coming into light even more now, you know, with videos and things like that. Uh, a lot of these a lot of these migrants are are also children and they're being displaced from their families. Uh, one one thing I read was at any given time, over 2000 children are being held in custody by the government without their parents. So imagine you being in a country that you're not accustomed to a language that you probably don't speak and you're a little ass kid and you're being displaced from your parents, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what's going to happen to you, not knowing what's going to happen to them, not knowing if you're going to be able to go back home or if they're going to be able to go back home, if they're going to come back alive. Uh, there's, there's migrants dying. Uh, so there's a lot of problems going on right now. I saw one article about a guy explaining what's going on in these detention facilities where they're keeping these migrants and the stuff that he described is just inhumane he said there was 200 people in one cage no they weren't able to shower the bathrooms weren't kept up so you could there was just feces and stuff everywhere real shitty conditions literally i mean obviously that stuff leads to illnesses he said their kids were sick kids were throwing up th due to the smell and of course there was very little help being provided the issue is most of these people are being held in private facilities we talked about this kind of before about like the private prisons and everything 60 percent of the of the immigrants that that are being detained 
they're being put into these private prisons, which means that these owners are the ones that regulate the conditions for the most part. They don't have uh, people coming in and really regulating what's going on. So they're pe- treating these people like shit, not providing soap, not not providing uh, proper showers, not fixing the bathrooms, things like that. And it's not like these people are murderers or rapists or any of that. These people just come into this country to find a better life for them and their family. And now they're put into these situations where it's just as bad as the situation that they just left. It's like, fuck, I, I just left my country because some shitty shit was going on. And I'm trying to come to America. I hear that it's the land of the free. And as soon as I get here, I'm put into a fucking prison. And I haven't killed anyone, shot anyone, stole anything from anyone. And not only that, you're separating me from my kids now. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know what's going to happen to my family, where we're going to be. What's what's the next step? It's an overall shitty situation for everyone that's involved. And the only people that are actually gaining from it are the owners of these private prisons. I mean, what we pay in taxes to these prisons to, for them to hold these immigrants is, is pretty outrageous. For a private prison, for one day to hold one person is about $149 that the taxpayers pay. For municipal-run jails, it's about $98 a day per person. So that's about $50 difference per person. And we're talking about hundreds, thousands of, of people here. And that's why the people that own these privately-owned jails are pushing for us to have such strict uh, immigration laws because pretty much that's just giving them more business. The concept isn't that hard. I mean, they make money off of prisoners that they bring into the jail. 60% of their prisoners are immigrants. So, of course, they're going to want to push to have more immigrants jailed because that means more money in their pocket. It's basic business. I mean, let's say you're a fucking... A plastic bag dealer. You're the biggest plastic bag dealer in the Northeast. And you find out that New York, which they are, New York City is, they're going to ban plastic bags. You're going to do everything in your power to find a way for you to keep plastic bags in New York City. You're going to say the benefits of having plastic bags. You're going to say the bad shit that happens if you don't have plastic bags. You're going to show stories of people that had paper bags that folded in the rain and they had to walk home with everything in their arms. You're going to do anything you can to to make sure that plastic bags stay in New York City. And that's pretty much what's happening here. But instead of plastic bags, we're talking about human beings that are being jailed for no real reason and inhumane conditions and also being separated from their kids. This is one of those issues where there's always going to be discrepancies and people with different opinions on it. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone in America essentially are immigrants. They migrated here for some kind of reason, whether it was forcefully or whether they did it on their own. Um, No matter how you look at it, unless you're a Native American, someone in your family migrated to this country. And there are hundreds of thousands of immigrants that come to America that live in America. But most of the ones that are getting targeted are Latinos, people from Mexico and Central America. And there has to be a way to figure this out as far as being able to regulate how many people 
do come into the country, obviously, you'd want to regulate that. That makes sense. But you also want to make it so they're not put into jails. There's people that come into different countries and migrate to other countries all the time. And they're not separated from their family and put into jails. So there definitely are other options. Like, this isn't the only option that we have here. (laughs) And... Hopefully, we could find someone or the set of people that can come up with a better option than what the fuck is going on right now. And that leads me to our next topic, and that is the Democratic debate. Hopefully, one of these 20 people could figure this shit out. The debate was 20 people. They split it in half, so it was 10 people per day. It was two days, two hours per day. Pretty much was like the season premiere of American Idol when they do the two days. And they show all the auditions, the good ones and the bad auditions. And I actually like the concept of having a debate like this, because as citizens, the people that are going to vote, we want to see everyone's opinions on things. We want to see how they react to certain questions, how they react to certain people, how they react under pressure. So it does make sense why they do it. But 20 people, I mean, that, that's that's a lot. There's only going to be one president. And then there were people that were going over their time. But that actually makes sense because they only gave each person 90 seconds to respond. It's like, how are you going to respond to an argument against nine people in 90 seconds? I've been in a lot of arguments, even just against one other person. And 90 seconds isn't that much. Now, imagine if you had the whole country on the line. See, me, if I was in charge, I would do it like it's a like a rap battle. I'll have one versus one facing each other with a huge ass crowd in front of you and i want you just to go at each other i want to know why you want to be president and why that person this is the highest job in the country there there has to be some kind of obstacles or challenges that you have to go to to get to this position i wouldn't even mind seeing a presidential candidate doing like some regular everyday shit like i want to see them on a train for like a few days i want to see them uh fixing tires or some shit going to the dmv doing some stressful shit i want you i want them to go to fucking trader joe's uh during rush hour right after work see how they deal with that i want to see how they how they deal with the shit that we deal with since you're going to be representing us i want to see a candidate uh have a bag of weed in their pocket and and walk by a a group of cops see how they react to that because that will show a lot about their character and if they react a certain way to it that might sway my vote that might make me want to vote for you but seriously though about the debate uh, the debate actually was pretty good. I mean, the topics that they talked about were things that we we as human beings and Americans are all concerned about. You know, things like uh, climate change, certain policies, or things they would change as far as the way the government's being run now. The basic debate shit. The main topics that were brought up uh, that most people really talked about were obviously like questions about immigration, also about uh, health care and uh, student loans those have been like the biggest biggest issues so pretty much there there are candidates that are try to have free health care in the country and of course there are people that don't want that because they don't want to spend their precious tax dollars on things like health we spend frivolous dollars millions and billions of dollars on bullshit and for some reason, when you start talking about things like people being healthy and getting help, that's when people start to draw the line. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said we want to spend our tax dollars on doing shit like making people healthy and making sure they don't die and shit? Like, we want to spend our money on some on some frivolous shit. Every time someone proposes something that's good for humanity, 
it's always gets shut down because it's like, oh, do we have enough money in the budget for that? Like, what do you have money in the budget for if you don't have money for stuff like that? Like, what what are we spending the money on if we can't help people out and, and have health care? And the thing about the whole health care situation is, like, it's not like it's unheard of to have free health care. There are other countries that do it that are actually really close to us. I'm pretty sure most people with the heart uh, don't mind spending a little extra on their paycheck for a fucking free health care, especially if it, that means that they've getting health care to their family members and friends and children. Not to mention, most people already have healthcare taken out of their paychecks anyway. If they really went out here and asked the people if they would really be that upset about having free healthcare, I don't think people would be that upset, especially if they find out what this country is actually spending the money on. <laughs> I mean, healthcare shouldn't be something that's optional. It's something that, that should be mandatory. Everyone gets sick. Everyone has ailments. Uh, people die. That's just what humans do. And you need to be covered. And the same thing could be said about student loans, too, as well. Obviously, that's a little bit more up for debate because there's going to be people that says, oh, I don't want to pay for for uh, student loans if I've never been to college or if I've never taken out a student loan. And, and that would be understandable. But at the end of the day, that's the way shit goes. I mean... This country is supporting a lot of other countries by giving them money and ammo and other shit that costs a lot of money. And we, as Americans, a lot of us don't agree on it. But at the end of the day, we are still paying for it. I mean, I spend my tax dollars. It goes to things like fixing up buildings or fixing up the highway. I mean, I take the train every day. I haven't drove on the highway in years. A lot of these buildings that our tax dollars are, getting, are paying for, we've never lived there or we're never going to live there. I mean, it's just a part of how it goes. And the biggest issue with student loans actually isn't the the loan, like the amount of money that you're paying in these schools. The problem is the interest. I mean, that's mostly what, what we're paying for the most part. I mean, it's not it's not only just the money that you're paying that school back. The interest rate for most of these student loans are absolutely ridiculous. It's much crazier than, than the normal loan that you would get to get like a home or a car or anything like that. But all this is going to come to light even more over the next few months and, and year um, as we crunch down the numbers and have a smaller amount of uh, Democratic candidates. I'm definitely sure that this debate, which is really good as far as like getting us introduced to the candidates and everything, Pretty sure they're going to have a lot more of this as the numbers go down, and it's going to be a lot more intense, and I'm happy to see um, that people are engaged in this. Uh, you know, People want to see what these people are thinking before they start voting, and that's a good sign for this country. And on a little bit lighter note, well, a good note, I'd like to end a little bit on a, good no- a better note, I guess. Um, so recently, Illinois became the 11th state to legalize recreational uh, cannabis. So they're going to legalize weed starting January 1st of next year. This is also the first state to authorize commercial sales as approved by lawmakers. This is huge because there are a lot of cities in Illinois, like there are all over the country, but especially Illinois, places like Chicago, where there are a lot of minorities, uh, Latino and black kids, men, um, being jailed for, for petty marijuana crimes. And with this bill, they're going to expunge all the lower level cannabis crimes. So all the people that had all those uh, petty marijuana charges, those will get expunged because now it's legal, which is a great sign. That's a great sign. Hopefully more states start to do that. There are states that are looking into it, and hopefully the entire country does that because there are a lot of kids, uh, young adults, even older adults that are in prison for a long time for petty crimes. So I'm happy to see a little uh, improvement on, on that, at least. Um, 
baby steps. That's that's how we get there. We don't want anything overnight. Just baby steps here. And um, that's about it. Thank you for listening to episode five of Beige Journalism. Shout out to Brooklyn. And uh, make sure you follow me at Beige Journalism on Instagram. If you have any questions or any topic, feel free to let me know. And like that, we gone. Visiting Washington, I understand what a town of fiscal responsibility this is. As I stood in the marble rotunda laced with gold, I thought to myself, we have to be very careful not to waste money on first responders with cancer. This is nonsense. You guys know it. I know it. This is theater. We're all down here today. There's no reason to have dragged these people down here. There's no reason to have to have these conversations. It's You know it, and I know it. So how about we make a deal? This is your opportunity to write a final chapter for these men and women who fought for 18 years. They fought when nobody believed they were sick. They fought when nobody believed that their sickness was caused by 9-11. They fought when nobody thought their health care was worth paying for. They fought every step of the way. The Trump Justice Department is doing an excellent job administrating this program. The claims are going through faster, and the awards are coming through. So now it's Congress's job to fund it properly and let these people live in peace. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching.